ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Crunchy Take Podcast. My name is James Kittipole, and I'm taping this at 11.45 p.m. on a Sunday evening, which means that a mere hour ago, the Los Angeles Lakers captured their 17th title in franchise history. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers are your 2019-2020 NBA championships. Wow. And for me, I wanted to do a quick little blurb here, um, kind of a solo take on everything that's been going on. A lot of it is going to be kind of random thoughts, little tidbits, but there are so many facts uh, surrounding these playoffs and surrounding the rather unusual circumstances of the NBA Finals that we've just witnessed. The fact that the Finals were competing against the NFL for views um, and all that. But first and foremost, the initial reaction that comes to mind for me is just one of pure speechless. Yeah, I'm pretty speechless. Not in the sense that I didn't think LeBron couldn't do it or that there weren't times that where I doubted he was ever going to get it done. Because all, all this year I've been saying that despite how good people thought the Clippers were. And I objectively thought they were the better team. I really thought that, you know, once the Lakers added AD to the team and seeing the kind of little bits and pieces they added there, they added, you know, Rajon Rondo, um, Avery Bradley, who didn't play in the, in the bubble. But despite the fact, the Lakers just had pieces that, for lack of a better term, complemented LeBron just good enough so that he and AD could get the job done. And I always thought... On paper, this year's championship was the Lakers to lose. Now, that may be unfair, but in all honesty, that's what I thought going into the season once I saw who was on the paper. I knew that the Warriors uh, were going to be in a heap of trouble knowing that Klay Thompson was out, was likely out for the whole season, and then seeing Steph go out four games into the season or whatever against the Phoenix Suns, Eric Baines. Aaron Baines just sitting, <laughs> his butt just falling straight upon Steph's uh, arm or hand or whatnot season was over for the Warriors and so this whole year leading up it's it this it hasn't been it wasn't that long ago when LeBron had a groin injury against the Golden State Warriors in a Christmas game and the Lakers went on to beat the Warriors in that game I don't think people remember that very much but I guess in the optics leading up to today's result, I think it's only fair to point out the times that I sort of gave LeBron the worry eye a little bit in that I there were times this past year where I really t- started to text people and say, you know, LeBron's head may not go above the rim quite like it did back in 2015, 2013, 2007. Uh, all those years, by the way, are the years that he made the NBA Finals. LeBron James, 10 years in the NBA Finals. And this is his third Finals MVP on a completely different team. Fourth NBA title. Most playoff games logged. Third most in three-pointers. Just barely, just barely beating out Klay Thompson. Averaging 28.4 in the Finals for his career. And the initial thoughts that come to mind, I have no thoughts. 
there isn't really a thought slash train of thought that really you're going to see in this week. Now, you might see some takes that are maybe a little mind-blowing with LeBron and his whole playoff stat in general. But just, just for right now, just on fresh take 40 to an hour ago of them winning the championship, my initial thoughts are just a sigh of relief, honestly. Now, as a Warriors fan prior, I've never really... It's, 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 it's weird to say, but I've never really hated LeBron James. Now, the feeling was pretty severe, and it was pretty close to hatred uh, when the Warriors choked that 2016 finals to him, and the, you know LeBron had that Herculean effort, which I still think, despite this championship, despite this championship in this scenario, I still think that was LeBron's magnum opus. The fact that he was, he was able to bring that crappy franchise, Cleveland Cavaliers, a championship. Their first championship, professional championship in 50 years. Um, yeah, so in terms of scaling, I'm, I'm going all over the place here. <laughs> but in terms of scaling, I still think that is LeBron's best achievement ever. The fact that he took a team and an organization, and a state that hadn't seen relevance since he left and before he left. And the only time, well, the Cleveland Cavaliers, that's not fair. They were successful with uh, Mark Price back in the 80s, you know, when they, when they went up against Jordan. They took Jordan to seven games. But LeBron James, and I guess the still hatred that he garners is is rather it to me it's 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 two things it's why I'm, I'm struggling to find the words to even talk about it necessarily it's just because LeBron I've never seen a more polarizing player in terms of people lauding praise on him but at the same time you have this huge camp of people that just can't they can't let him have anything they can't let this great player have anything you know, and obviously it's accentuated by social media and the fact that, you know, you, you're never, even when Jordan was winning it, if social media was around during that time, you'd probably see heaps and heaps and heaps of comments saying, oh, you know, look at Phil Jackson, look at Dennis Rodman, look at Scottie Pippen, look at Steve Kerr, look at Tony Kukoc. But LeBron James, to put it in perspective for maybe people listening that maybe don't quite know basketball or if, if you're listening to this beyond let's be honest you do know basketball lebron james has been playing professional basketball nba level basketball since i was in the third grade in 2003 it's 2020 so in the time that it takes to become 17 virtually a full-grown man and by the end of next year which he'll still be playing so by the time it takes for someone to be newborn to being fully legal as an adult, LeBron James has played professional basketball at the highest of levels, at the elite, most dominant levels. And there's this one play that didn't count that I heard even a LeBron hater give praise to. Uh, which just kind of cemented how crazy it is that we're still seeing LeBron James play. And it's that one, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's that one dunk that LeBron had. 
It was kind of after the buzzer had sounded, Kuzma had put up a shot or whatnot. LeBron James sprinted. It didn't even count, but the guy cocked it. He caught it, turned around, kind of tomahawked it, you know, cocked it, and boom, put it over his head. Didn't count. And in that moment, I've never felt more like a fool than any time else uh, in my approach and view of LeBron James. Here I was the whole year saying that the guy's head didn't really go above the rim or touch the rim like it used to. The fact that it's kind of seemed, and it was true for a little bit, the fact that it seemed that his head or that his speed just wasn't there like it used to be, but that his physique was still there. A lot of people don't know that LeBron James weighs relatively the same to what Carl Malone did. Think about that for a second. The fact that Carl Malone and LeBron James weigh relatively the same, and yet LeBron James has this kind of velocity as a player over this amount of time. It's unprecedented. And in many ways, I, I, I still feel, despite the number of accomplishes, accomplishments this man has and is going to have, like this, no one can ever give this man. It seems like the general sports viewing public will never give this man the props that he deserves. You know, in in his first final speech, he said, uh, you know, give me my damn respect. And today I'm giving it to him. People are still going to say, you know, I'm seeing a comment right now. No one gives a crap about the NBA. I see more posts on Dank than NBA. I see more posts on Dak than the NBA finals. Well, guess what? You know, like, sure, you see posts on Dak, but in a few years, we might not. The, the sports knowing public is not really going to know who Dak Prescott is. Unless he wins a Super Bowl. LeBron James, 17 years in the NBA, is a three time, is a four time NBA champion. Three different finals MVPs on, diff on different teams. That's never been done before. Yeah, so anyway, like. Like I said, this take is probably the rockiest take I'll ever have as a solo take. I was supposed to have another person to come on, but it is a little bit late, so I'm, I'm not really on my A game here, but I just wanted to get something out pretty quickly and just several things that came to mind. And another thing to point out is that this is also Dwight Howard's first championship. The optics of that are kind of ironic in the fact that he's, this is his first championship and it's in Orlando. And it's for a team that he was once booed heavily in. Dwight Howard, before this season started, there was a, there was a lot of eyes on him as, as far as who he was as a player, who he was going to be as a player. And would he be able to accept that role that we traditionally haven't seen haven't prescribed to him or players like Carmelo Anthony, even though now about 17, 14 years, he's been in the league 16 years. Yeah, that's another player. That's another take for you to consider. Dwight Howard has been in the NBA since 2004. If I were to tell you in 2010 that Dwight Howard in 2020, okay, Dwight Howard in 2020 is going to be an NBA dunk contest 
um, competitor. And he's going to be in the NBA Finals on the Los Angeles Lakers. His second go-round with the Lakers, by the way. And actually be a crucial part of that team leading up to the last game. Because in this game, I don't think I saw him play a lick. Um, there was an cr- adjustment the Lakers made. Frank Vogel made the excellent adjustment to put Caruso in. And ultimately kind of go smaller, pack the, pack the space in smaller. There's a lot of reasons um, the Heat were maybe unable to convert in this game in particular. Because I think them trying to incorporate Goran Dragic in game six when he hadn't been playing. And when he was out with a torn a torn plantar fascia, when I can't even pronounce it. And the fact that he was in the game, to me, was just upsetting. A little bit upsetting to me that the Heat would do that to him. That he, he, it was, to me, almost the same as seeing AD go out and have, you know, he bruised his ankle last game and seeing KD injure his Achilles last year. I think, if anything, from this game in particular and the last game, so I'm a little disappointed in the fact that both franchises didn't seek to protect their assets and players a little better. Now, obviously, the damage may be a little overstated. You know, it, it may be, you know, AD's injury may not have been that bad, but, it, you know, non-contact injuries, both, both were non-contact injuries. And I'm a little disappointed that these franchises, more so in the Lakers, that the fact that they played AD at all after that injury in Game 5. Um. Yeah, but all that to say, I think the Heat had a lot of trouble trying to incorporate Goran Dragic back into the lineup, and um, in this game, it really did look like the Heat just they were fatigued. They had spent Jimmy Butler had played excellent, beautiful games. Um, this whole series, well, minus this game and game one. That's another player who the script has completely flipped on. But yeah, Dwight Howard, just the fact that he was in the dunk contest this year, the fact that he was, he had gone through such a rough decade, had such a ugly parting with Kobe Bryant, arguably maybe even uglier than Shaq when he left. Now, before you click off the podcast, hear me out. Like Shaq, you know, they'd won their championships together. And, you know, it was, it was a clash of personalities where, where you had to choose one to cement your your uh, franchise, you know. But with Dwight Howard, it was almost sadder and more tragic in the fact that Dwight just was a shell of himself by the time he left L.A. and he went to Houston and he was on the and he was on Charlotte for a little bit. Then he was on the Washington Wizards. This guy was bordering on the edge of, ex- of obscurity. And if had he not played on the Lakers this year, he might have just faded into obscurity. But as an old-time NBA fan, I just can't help but be happy for the guy in, in the fact that, you know, 16 years in, he's finally able to covet that championship, albeit in a bench role, albeit in a crucial bench role, guarding Jokic, bothering the team that upset the team that everyone else thought was going to win the championship. Um, yeah. I love that. I, I love... I love that these old heads still find a way to win championships and are still kind of the business of the NBA because that's what you come to see when you watch an NBA game. You know, we, we, we can say all we want and there is a video that I'm making um, about just, you know, bubble basketball and the current state of basketball in general. But just the fact that this is a man's game. You know, if it was one game, you know, like March Madness, you could 
you could pour it in several things, right? But in the NBA, you're going with college or high school basketball, you're going to see a game of basketball. Whereas with the NBA, and especially the NBA at the higher levels, like the finals, you're going to see the game of basketball as it is defined and interpreted by everyone in the world. This sport, this is the sports standard, kind of like how there is the physical manifestation of the kilogram somewhere in a vault in Europe, like the spear or whatnot, or like, yeah, physical manifestation of items and things. The NBA is the physical manifestation of the standard of basketball. And no matter where it is, that's just the way it's going to be. Kids and everyone, everyone is going to derive their standard of what basketball is off of the NBA and how the best players in the world are playing it. That's just completely natural. And in this game, the old, typically, the older, more experienced team wins. Which is why this bubble win for the Los Angeles Lakers, for old players like LeBron and Dwight and Rondo, Rondo being the only... Rondo playing the only player in history to win a championship with the Celtics and the Lakers. Yeah, it says right here, Rajon Rondo, first player to win a championship with both the Los Angeles Lakers and Boston Celtics. Ten years ago, if I'd have told you this, you would have told me to go kick rocks. You would have told me to not care. You, you would have told me that, you know, good, you know, good fantasy team. And Rajon Rondo was the man. In 2010, with the, you know, the way he was slashing, I, I was just such a fan of his game, and the fact that his second championship comes year, ten years later to the, you know, ten years later, with the franchise that he was vehemently against. The NBA is a man's game, and typically. Despite the circumstances, despite COVID-19, despite the projections that younger teams would have the advantage, which there was a kernel of truth to, right? We saw Denver beat a more experienced, quote unquote, Clippers team. We saw a young Heat team with the core, with a core that, by the way, three draftees, three rookies, I've, I've never seen a rookie core Outside, maybe the Warriors, but even the Warriors in 2013, you know, they lost in the second round to the eventual champs um, or finals contenders in, in, the, in the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Three people, you know, Ken, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, and Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson, my gosh. He may have just elevated his stock even more in those past two games. The catch and shoot and the release that this guy has, it's incredible. You know, before I go any further with the Los Angeles Lakers, I think I got to give a little bit of props to the Heat, right? Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, man, they put together a brilliant team. I don't think even they predicted that they go this far, but those guys, they don't mess around. Pat Riley, you know, I've, I've heard it said often that he's kind of the alpha male of, of who's who and wins in the NBA, and yeah, that, that argument can be made. And... What I love about the Heat is what I love about every, you know, basketball in general is just the fact that anything can happen if, if and when you are ready to step up, you know, like, like anything in life where if you are ready and the opportunity does come to you, 
You grab it by the horns and you go for it. And that's essentially what they did. I've never seen rookies be this crucial to a playoff push like I have with Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, and Duncan Robinson. Never. Oh, wait, maybe you can name more. I'm not talking superstars, because obviously we can point at Magic Johnson with his first year with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, we can point at, um, you know, we, we can point at, you know, maybe Larry Bird, his first few stints with the, Heat, with the Celtics. But the fact that this was their first year, and all these players kind of came from different backgrounds, right? Duncan Robinson was out of Michigan, but, or, yeah, but he initially came from like a D3 school. Tyler Hero came out of Kentucky, highly touted. Kendrick Nunn, I don't know. I don't exactly know. But three players that, you know, they, they for lack of a better term, they were quality draftees. But we didn't know they would be this crucial to a playoff push, let alone a finals push. If it weren't for Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, guess what? The Heat gets swept. He definitely got swept. I don't care what anybody says. Outside of Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, and Bam, there's no more players important other than Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Dunn. That's incredible. Three rookies. Anyway. And the narrative spin, the complete 180 on Jimmy Butler that we've had this year is also incredible. I think it needs to be pointed out. And the fact that Butler went from a guy that I personally did not like and there's still little things and bits about him that I don't like. But what I neglected to see in front of me at the time was the fact that Butler, outside of that team with, you know, the Bulls and, you know, they were contending. They, they you know, they had a series with LeBron or whatnot. And outside of that team. He's never really found a home as far as. Players that have the same attitude as him, the same mentality, the same dog-like mentality. Something happened along the way that kind of made me draw my distance a little bit from Jimmy Butler. In that, you know, I really thought he was a player that just would mess up your locker room. This was a guy that was too alpha for his own good, honestly. Which sounds beta to say. <laughs> but, you know, you have those guys. Like, he was, he was honestly almost in the same category as a Russell Westbrook for me. The only difference is... Russell Westbrook, I mean, the only difference is Jimmy Butler can actually play both ends and he can guard more people than Russell Westbrook ever could. So that was me, you know, like a slightly better version of uh, Russell Westbrook, maybe not as explosive, but, you know, definitely he had the superstar intangibles. So to quote, to quote uh, Skip Bayless, Jimmy Butler had super, you know, he was a star with superstar intangibles. I don't want to hear that anymore. The man's a superstar now. Same thing with Jokic. Same thing with um, Jamal Murray. These guys are actually superstars now. They're, they're at the point now where, you know, it's not, oh, they're stars, but, you know, they're not really on the count. No. Once you push your team like you did, you know, I had a guy say to me today um, that Jimmy Butler, for all, you know, was unintentionally by the heat that Jimmy Butler was more Kawhi than Kawhi was this year. And I have to agree. But in all the best ways. Because Butler is that type of, you know, hard hat guy. He will go to work for you. And he will play. He played, damn, he played 47 minutes the other night. 
Well, Jimmy Butler now, like the optics on him now are extremely, extremely positive if you're the Miami Heat. And I feel the Heat are really only getting started. Now, Butler, you know, he is getting, I don't know, he is just 30 or north of 30, or right around there. And the fact that the Heat are still right there and the Heat have options to go off of this, this offseason. Now, I personally wouldn't change much. What I would do is I would use this last playoff experience and, you know, finals push. As like a advertisement to get like a legitimate five. Oh man, if 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 anything, if if the Heat find an actual legitimate five that can then allow Bam Adebayo to play the four. Yeah, we're talking about a finals team out of the East and a finals team in general that can compete with the likes of Denver. Now, obviously, between the Denver Nuggets and my and the Miami Heat, I really thought the Denver Nuggets were the tougher team, which is why today the Lakers really showed who they were, despite the fact that the Heat in this playoffs were the only team to push Le- LeBron and the Lakers to six games. I really feel, like, given everything that I saw, that the that the Denver Nuggets were just better than the Miami Heat. And had they faced off, I feel like the Denver Nuggets would have won. But having said that, if the Miami Heat add one more legitimate five or one more marquee big, this is a team that everyone's going to take seriously now. Now, the thing, of course, is now the Heat are now the team that's going to be gunned for everywhere they go. You make the finals once, you're going to be gunned for. You're going to be. There's a huge target on the back of your hair, like the Warriors did, you know, when they first won it and they went on that 73 and 9 win record. The same thing's going to happen to them. The same thing happened with the Toronto Raptors. Now, it remains to be seen going forward what, you know, what the Miami Heat should work on. I think there's, only, there's room to grow. I feel like between. If, you know, these three rookies, they're up for contracts extensions or talks in about like two or three years one of them might leave my prediction is Kendrick Nunn will probably be the one to go and they're probably going to keep Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero I feel like you don't trade those guys away they kind of all play the same position but I just feel like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero just their play style lends itself they lend themselves to be more team oriented whereas Kendrick Nunn can kind of I see him becoming a little bit of a diva, a little bit, a little bit. Now, don't take my words with a grain of salt there because none was that guy that just, you know, people really didn't expect along with Duncan, right? Because people kind of saw what heroes about in high school and in college, but none, I think, has the best handle of all three. Actually, I don't know. I, I might take that back. I've said before that Tyler Hero kind of reminds me of a Ray Allen in that he can... He's smooth, and he's kind of cocky in his movement. He's not unathletic. He's not as athletic as Ray Allen was, but he has the shot to back it up. And he has the game, his smooth, kind of confident game that Hero played with. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, yeah, that's the Heat side of things. To kind of put it in a bubble. You know, the Heat have nothing really to be ashamed of this year. It's just at this level in the NBA Finals, when you're going up against... A guy like LeBron James, who's had experience. See, this, this, this was what I thought was going to happen to the Warriors, despite the fact that they lost Kyrie and Kevin Love. I really thought that LeBron James, and people neglect to remember, LeBron and the Cavs were up in 2015. They were up. They were up two games to one, and I really thought, oh man, this, 
the lake the warriors looked shook they looked a little nervous at times and you know the the spotlight of the moment was a little too bright for them but yeah this was exactly what i thought was going to happen with the warriors the warriors wanted in six um yeah but to compare this to that you know it always i'll always think of the warriors in terms because they they're the team that changed basketball right yeah but back to the los angeles lakers this year I think I've saved talking about Anthony Davis till now. I've been looking at his name on my sheet for a little bit. Anthony Davis. I think my first takeaway on him in this series is that it was probably the most, the Frank Vogel earned his coaching right doing several things throughout this whole playoff series. But if there's any one thing that was decisive, it was the fact that he decided to, you know, in the, you know, in the first game, it was whatever, right? I mean, Davis was matched up on Bam, and the Heat couldn't do anything about it in the first place. But after the Heat started to find their groove a little bit, their offensive groove, the decision was made by Vogel to, Vogel to put Anthony Davis, who should have probably been the defensive player of the year now in retrospect, on Jimmy Butler. And let me tell you, that, along with in the sixth game, starting Alex Caruso, along with putting Dwight Howard in as an inhibitor and botherer for Jokic, putting Davis on one of the most versatile guards slash kind of wing players such as Jimmy Butler. Hindsight now, it's a genius, genius move. Why wouldn't you? Me as a basketball fan, I really thought LeBron was going to take it on himself to guard Jimmy Butler. And, you know, there were, there was, there was points in game five. Um, and um, that first game they lost that I really thought LeBron looked flustered every single time Jimmy put up a basket and made one, made tough basket. He made like fadeaways. He made kind of and one going to the hoop draws. And I thought the adjustment by the Lakers to put Davis on Butler really sealed the deal for the Lakers because the Lakers were always owning the board to begin with, right? But last game, they had some, some bad turnovers. And the first game they lost, they had some pretty bad turnovers as well. This game, Anthony Davis has three turnovers. LeBron James has 28 points. About 10 assists. Yeah, it's 10 assists. Rebounds, it says. I don't even know. 11 defensive rebounds. 14 rebounds overall, my bad. And one turnover. This game was over going into halftime. The Lakers were supposedly with a 28-point lead had the second largest point margin going into a halftime for an NBA Finals in NBA Finals history. And LeBron James, in his 17th year, has 28.4 points as his average in the Finals. Having the most Finals games in playoff history over Bill Russell whom the whom the name whom the finals MVP trophy is named after guys you, you've, you've there may come a time where we can adequately maybe discuss who the best player of all time is but as of right now like there's there's no need to bring up any other person as far as total package 
Well, however you feel about LeBron James and, you know, the arguments are always going to be made. Today is a day to give it to the guy. What can you say? In an era, well, in a season where we predicted, again, I'm saying this again just to reiterate how, how crazy it was. The predictions were made that younger teams would win. That's, that immediately puts the Lakers at a disadvantage. Despite the fact that they had time to rest, which tells you a player like LeBron James kept his body in shape. Okay? And the whole Laker team, like he, he, this is a guy who is a true leader. I don't think you can dispute that anymore. Right? Anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm a little messed up. It's, it's, it's a little late. I didn't have my partner today that I was supposed to talk about, but you know, I know it is a little late, so maybe, you know, people, people might be tired or whatnot, but this whole playoffs, I was thinking that, you know, there's, there's no way that they'd ever give the finals MVP to Anthony Davis. But if they did that, I think would also be a great accomplishment for LeBron James in that this is the guy that he supposedly wants to hand the keys off to. And Anthony Davis, for the most part, now he did have some questionable plays throughout the series. You know, he averaged a hell of a lot. Anthony Davis played like Anthony Davis. He out-rebounded everybody. You know, there's no reason he couldn't. But um, if he can continue to do this, Anthony Davis is only 27, folks. So for all intents and purposes, this is the guy that LeBron wants to pass off his, his, you know, his king crown to whenever he chooses to do so. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, like not much to go off of the fact that, you know, I, I saw this, I, I secretly wanted this throughout, you know, the year ever since hearing of Kobe's passing, obviously, you know, 10 years since almost 10 years to the day, given, give or take a few months that the Lakers want it. Um, I personally, in this game, I was rooting for the heat to go seven, just because once you tease it to me, I want to have it. <laughs> I want to have game seven. I wanted to see LeBron in a game seven situation, but a little before it's just in closing, I was watching the, um, last dance final episode again, just to kind of hype myself for more basketball and people were throwing mad shade at, you know, LeBron for not taking the shot in game Five. Well, in game five of the 1998 NBA Finals, Jordan did take the last shot and missed horribly. And just the composure that I saw Jordan have at that time um, was what I was sort of wondering about LeBron because LeBron is the ultimate game seven player, right? Like, even if it went seven games... There's no player in NBA history, and yeah, not even Michael Jordan, that I'd take over LeBron James in a Game 7 situation where it becomes intensely more physical. It becomes intensely more rigid. Every aspect of the game kind of becomes awkward, and LeBron is the ultimate kind of awkward, gritty player. And the question was on my mind today was whether LeBron would finish business. And I kind of saw it telegraphed a little bit. And I'm not, you know, not to go straight to hyperbole here but you know he was posting pictures of his daughter on you know he was sharing kind of an instagram story of her you know doing a fashion show and i'm like i I, lo- I took a look at that and i said you know this is a man that ultimately wants to go home and that he did all right so there you have it 
Um, it's the shortest crunchy take today. It's probably the sloppiest as well, but I wanted to get just like an initial reaction kind of take slash um, blurb. I'll be releasing a video shortly after. Um, not I don't want to promise when it comes out because I do want to make it good, but it is an an analysis video on bubble basketball and just like what worked and what didn't, the kind of things I liked about it and um the things I think could be improved with basketball going forward using bas using bubble basketball, bubble basketball, the whole NBA bubble as a petri dish going forward. So yeah, be on the lookout for that in a couple in a couple weeks or in, in the weeks to follow. Um. More to come for the podcast later, but yeah, I just wanted to get my initial reactions in. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Thanks for listening to the shortest country take ever. Have a good night. Have a good day. And see you later.